you know, when you get your license, they don't teach you in that first class how to start a business or how to actually do anything that you really need to do. But meanwhile, Adam, he knows sales. He's, you know, he's done sales before. He knows the contracts, especially on the buyer side. And it just kind of made sense that he would be the one that would do that stuff. And it kind of made sense with me with, with my writing and my love of writing to, to, to start doing the marketing. You're listening to The Real Estate Sessions. I'm your host, Bill Risser. Listen in as I interview leaders in our industry, getting their stories and their journeys to the world of real estate. Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 245 of The Real Estate Sessions podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in and thank you so much for telling a friend. Today, I'm staying local as you as it can get, really, with, another, with my guest actually lives in St. Petersburg. And I'm talking about Amy Carroll, Amy and her husband, Adam, are realtors. They call themselves the A-Team, Amy and Adam. And they're with Coldwell Banker here in St. Pete. Um, and I got to know the two of them as they both became realtors. They were brand new in the business, came to some sessions, trying to figure out how they were going to kind of work their business from the social side, the tech side. And I was able to give them a few pieces of advice that they were able to run with. They're doing great in their business. And it's going to be fun to find out the story, how the two of these these Long Islanders made it down to Tampa and became successful realtors uh, here in the Bay Area. So let's get started. Amy, welcome to the podcast. Hi, Bill. Thanks for having me. How are you doing, Amy? I know we're, we're sitting here doing a remote episode of the podcast, probably about no more than 15 miles away from each other. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but it's the way things are today. So we're gonna, we want to abide by the rules and I think it's better for both of us. So that's a good thing. But let me let me get right to the point here with you. Um, like me and many other Floridians, I know you're not a native. We're we're, we're both transplants. Now mm-hmm. I came from the West Coast. Where did you come from? Well, I grew up uh, on Long Island in New York. Now that's a that's a Long Island. It's over a hundred miles. So it is. It's narrow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's funny that you say that because. Uh, like when I went away to school, people would say to me, oh, my cousin's from Long Island. Do you know so-and-so? And I would say, well, it's 120 miles long, so yeah. chances are probably no. But no. Yeah. So whereabouts? So I, I lived in a town called Brentwood until I was about 14 years old. And then when we were 14, we moved to an area called Oakdale. And what's really neat about Oakdale is I lived in this part of town that was called Idle Hour. And Idle Hour is a former estate of uh, William K. Vanderbilt. Wow. So, <laughs> wow. Yes. So, so um, what part of the island are we talking about? What county? What north, south? You know, help me out a little bit. It's Suffolk County. Okay. And it's on the south shore. Oakdale is actually, uh, there's a river called the Kinequat River. And it kind of comes up into, do you know where Islip is? If, if you've been to Long Island, you might yeah. have flown into Islip MacArthur Airport. Yeah. So it's near there. And the Kinequat River kind of cuts in a little bit into Oakdale. So the river flows out into the Great South Bay and then across from the Great South Bay is Fire Island and then the Atlantic Ocean. So gotcha. I, right on the water. I did uh I would I did that thing that you do when you've never been to Long Island. You go drive the whole length of Fire Island and then cut back cut back over to Long Island. Does that make sense? Uh yeah. Yeah you went so you went on Ocean Parkway. <laughs> I did, yeah. It was yeah. great. Yeah. So you were actually probably went along Jones Beach and Robert Moses. Yep. And then which so Robert Moses is technically Fire Island. But then when people hear about Fire Island, that's actually a whole section of the island where there are no cars. 
there's no roads. Yeah, that's only boardwalks and stuff. So it's a really, it's really neat place, the South shore of Long Island. So, so yeah, I grew up in the, uh, there's, you know, this huge 70,000 square foot mansion. That's not where I grew up. (laughs) There's a huge 70,000 square foot mansion. And then there's all these other, you know, little buildings scattered around that were, you know, the clock tower and the, um, the, the palm garden and the, the horse stables and the, and the cow barns. And then there's just these regular residential houses there. And so it was a pretty neat place to grow up in. That's cool. I, Mm -hmm. I love Long Island. I, uh, for me, it's, it's got this incredible memories with my wife and my son, because with Cindy, we've been to two U S opens, Kevin and I, a year ago, we're up there for the PGA championship at Beth page black. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, the ability to, to hang out and, and, and two of those trips, we went all the way out to Montauk. We traveled all the way out across North Fork, down the North side, you know, the North mm-hmm. shore. I mean, it was just a, it's an amazing place. So I want to know from you, you've been gone for a while, right? 15 years, maybe. Well, 2007 was when we, okay. because we, we moved down in 2005, got homesick, went back in 2006 <laughs> and then came back down in 2007. And that's, that's when we settled down. Oh, here. there was one redo, huh? One mulligan yep. in there? Okay. <laughs> yeah. So what do you miss most about, uh, about the island? I miss so much about the island. I miss, um, obviously, we still have a lot of friends and family back there. So I miss the people. I miss what you were saying, you know, the, the beaches and just the north shore of Long Island is so different from the south shore of the island. And then the forks, we spent a lot of time out on the north fork. Love it there. Um, I miss the food. I miss pizza and bagels and the seafood. I miss like the main streets and the the marinas. And it, even so, every so often, I'll miss the accents. I'll be out somewhere and I'll hear somebody talk and I'll say, oh, it's my people. You know, I hear a Long Island accent. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it is a very unique accent, right? <laughs> and I, I think you can turn it off and on, can't you? It's kind of like... Oh yeah. I used to, I always say, people will say to me all the time, well, you don't sound like you're from Long Island. And I'll say, I can talk to you like this if you want me to. I can, you know, Bill, I can do this whole podcast with you and talk like this. Wow. I'll drink my, I'll drink my coffee and <laughs> talk about my dog, but. <laughs> That's awesome. Okay. No, you don't have to. I, I, I believe <laughs> yeah. you. So let's think you're growing up on the South shore. What's 15 year old Amy going to grow up and be? What would you want to do? 15-year-old Amy, much like Amy today, didn't really know what she wanted to be when she grew up. I always I always thought, no matter what age I was, I always thought that I would be a writer. I didn't think that that would be my job, but, you know, in the, as a kid, I was always, you know, yeah, I'll write something one day. That'll be something that I'll do. I always loved animals. So at one point in time, I thought I would become a vet, but I didn't ever want to see the animals suffer. So didn't end up doing that. I Then I thought I would become a pet psychologist. I don't know what turned me on to that. That obviously never materialized into anything. I, would, I, I wouldn't quite say it didn't materialize into anything. We'll talk about that later. So, <laughs> oh, yeah, that's yeah, true. All right. I saw the Julia Roberts movie, My Best Friend's Wedding, and she was a food critic in that movie. And I thought that would be the best job for me because, you know, writing and eating and writing about food, that would be amazing. So yeah, I had, I really had no idea at 15 what I would end up doing. I never aspired to be either of the two things that I became. Okay. Well, let's, let's (laughs) talk about, let's talk about that path a little bit. You are the second person I've interviewed that is a, well, you went to, I'm going to say, I'm going to butcher this name because every time I say it, it's never comes out a different way, but uh, you went to (laughs) 
<laughs> Quinnipiac? Quinnipiac? <laughs> so you're a... Quinnipi- I say Quinnipiac. Now you got me. <laughs> Quinnipiac is yeah. how I would Quinnipiac. Say. So you're a Quinnipiacian, mm-hmm. right? So yeah. was it Bobcats basketball that got you to go there or was it something else? Well, actually, when I went there, it was still Quinnipiac College. Ah, okay. So it wasn't even a university yet when I went there. And, okay. and we weren't the Bobcats either. Really? So we, yeah, we were the Braves. Oh, so, oh mm-hmm. okay. That makes sense. So on they, uh-huh. yep. So they retired that name. I, and I think it became a university sometime around 2000. And I think that's when they also switched over to the Bobcats. Okay. So when I was there, we were the Braves and I actually did go to basketball games a lot, but I wasn't, I mean, I wasn't attracted to Quinnipiac for, for sporting yeah. reasons that there's probably like four specific reasons why I went to Quinnipiac. First was it was a very, very small school. I think there were maybe only, gosh, probably at the time that I went there, there was maybe 3000 students. Wow. And I had gone to an all girls Catholic school from seventh grade through 12th grade. And I graduated with 112 girls. So I knew that I wanted a small college. I also knew that I wanted to go away, but be close to home. And so Connecticut was the perfect place to do that because from Oakdale to Hamden, Connecticut was maybe a two and a half hour drive without traffic. (laughs) Or I could just get somebody to drop me off at the Bridgeport Ferry and take the ferry into Port Jeff and come home, which is a lovely way to travel back and forth to school. So. That was nice. Um, I have a big sister who lives in Connecticut. And so at the time, my niece and nephew were little. So going to school there allowed me to hang out with her and be around my niece and nephew and also do my laundry and get a home cooked meal (laughs) if I wanted. Perfect. Um, And then, I mean, it's a, it's a college campus in New England. It was, it's, it's beautiful. Quinnipiac. It's at the base of a mountain. The sleeping giant mountain is literally right across the street. So you, you leave the campus of Quinnipiac and you walk across the street and there's a mountain there. I, I took hike. It's called the sleeping giant. I took hiking the sleeping giant to satisfy my, my PE requirement. Wow. And in the fall, you know, when the colors changed on the mountain or, you know, if it snowed, it's just, it was beautiful wow. there. So. And uh, English major, I would imagine. Yes, I was. <laughs> yeah, no, that's good. I look, I I'm, I've said it many times on the show. In fact, I said it last week. Uh, I think writing is an incredibly important skill that many people think they're great writers and they're not. <laughs> so, um, yeah. And so you, you, you take that to a whole nother level though. You end up becoming, you end up teaching English. Yes. Yeah. Was it English well, or literature? What was your, what, how, what's that path look like? So I left Quinnipiac and I didn't know what I wanted to do. I mm-hmm. still didn't know what I wanted to be. I actually, I did think, well, maybe I'll become an English professor And I had a friend whose father was a math professor at Quinnipiac. And he said to me, you don't want to be a professor. Do you know how hard it is to get a job as a professor? You basically have to wait for some old guy to die. It could be in like Indiana and that's where you have to move. It's really difficult to get a job as an English professor. So I thought, okay, well, what else am I going to do? So remember how I mentioned there was the 70,000 square foot mansion in Oakdale? Sure. That actually eventually became a college. It was called Dowling College. Wow. That's actually where Adam got his degree. We weren't at school together at the same time, but he got his degree there. And I went there one day and I signed up for grad school. Wow. Because <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't know what else to do with myself. <laughs> so I uh, 
went down to the to the college and got some pamphlets and brochures and decided that I was going to get a master's in reading and special education because I I knew to be a teacher on Long Island is a good job. The mm-hmm. teachers are paid very well on the island and I thought I'll have job security and with this degree I'll be even more marketable than just the K through 12 certification, you know, because it's very competitive to get a teaching job on the island. So I thought if I have this reading and special ed background then that will give me the edge. And so I started going uh, to grad school and doing that. And I really thought that I was going to utilize the reading portion of it more because I was always just such a word nerd and loved books. I was always reading. So I thought that's something I have a passion for. So I'll do that. I'll you know help, help kids and become a reading teacher. But to make a long story short, I went the total different direction and I used the special ed portion of the degree. And when I first graduated, I got a job and I was doing uh, home-based behavioral intervention services for children ages birth to six who had autism. Wow. Uh, (laughs) Wow. So I, this is a story, Bill. (laughs) I, (laughs) I had been dating a guy all throughout high school. Obviously we didn't go to high school together because I went to an all girl school. So I, I dated this guy all through high school, all through college and even in grad school. And uh, he eventually gets a job and becomes friends with this guy named Chris. And Chris starts coming and hanging around with our group of friends. And one day, Chris brings this guy, Adam, with him. And I meet Adam and just kind of, hello, hi, nice to meet you, nothing comes of it. I meet him again a second time. We have a nice long conversation over a bowl of pretzels at a party. And I and I remember thinking to myself, let's He's a nice guy. He's a smart guy. He's really funny, kind of cute, you know, but can't, can't think or feel anything for this guy. And but he's really handsome and he's really funny and he's really smart, but you know, you can't be thinking anything like that. And then, and then I don't see him for a little bit. And then uh, April comes around and the guy that I've been dating forever proposes to me. <laughs> okay. Uh, the look on your face was kind of like how I felt because I thought, uh, I guess I knew that this was coming, but I don't really think that this is what I want. Whoa. <laughs> but when you're actually in the situation, it's kind of, you, you feel like, well, you can't, I can't say, I can't say no to this person, but you know, like really gotten myself in a pickle. Cause I don't, I don't really think that this is what I want, but I said yes. And that night we, uh, we went out with, we had this, big group of friends and we we said let's all meet at this bar we're going to celebrate because we we got engaged and we show up at this bar and who happens to be there but adam and my friend jenny o from comac actually was there and she goes up to the band and says my friend amy just got engaged can you play a song for them and the band says sure and they played the song called your love by the outfield okay yep where the chorus is I don't want to lose your love tonight I don't know why you would play that song for a couple that just got engaged but that's the song that they played for us and I danced to it with Adam and I said to myself this is the guy I'm going to marry (laughs) wow now I just got to figure out how to (laughs) oh no undo what I've done today and wow see if I can make this happen (laughs) oh oh my I did not know that story um so uh, (laughs) (laughs) 
I'll put it this way. I can't wait to see Adam again because I'm going to start singing really loud in a high falsetto. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. Um, funny and, and not, not good for the other guy, but, um, no, it wasn't. but you made so, the right choice. I'm good. You know, congratulations for, um, being strong enough to do the right thing. Seriously. Well, yeah, it's I mean, a, it's important. Took, <laughs> it took a long time because I mean, it's a stressful thing to have to do. And, uh, I didn't do anything about it right away because we had, uh, this whole group of friends, including that guy, Chris, we had a, we all had, it's popular on Long Island to do summer shares in the summer. You get, you know, when you're in your 20s, you get a, a house in the Hamptons or a house on Fire Island. We had, had a house on Fire Island, a big group of us. And every weekend you go out to the, to the house and people bring friends. And so Adam would come out all the time. And I just kept falling more in love with him. But I was like, I don't know if he feels the same way about me. I think I feel the same way about him. I don't know. And I don't know what to do. And I remember thinking, well, when this is over, I, I definitely have to do something. I don't want to, I don't want to do anything now because it'll just cause all this drama. But you know, at the end of the summer, I'm going to do something. And the last weekend of the summer share house, that Sunday was Sunday, September 9th. And that Tuesday was 9-11. Oh, my. And that that was just really. Wow. That just changed everything. That changes <laughs> so, everybody's life. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So I'm going to I'm gonna leave that behind now because I, <laughs> I have a million questions about the other guy, but I'll save that for another time. Um, <laughs> He's fine. He's fine. He's fine. He's is he married, married with a ch- with a child? Okay, yes. good, good. I feel better. Yeah. I feel better. Thank you. Let's <laughs> let's talk about you. So you end up in St. Pete. You end up teaching at St. Petersburg College, but yeah, Adam so does. Adam goes a different direction. Does he? He was a lender, right? So I'd like to get that flow. So he was a lender on Long Island okay. too. Good. This was when I was doing the behavioral intervention services, um, and then so we eventually get together. And so I guess when we moved down here for good, it was 2007 and that's right before the mortgage crisis. And so Adam sees that coming and leaves lending and goes into more banking and insurance. Okay. And when we moved down here, I applied for a job at SPC to supervise SPC students who were doing their student teaching placements. So that was the job that I applied for. But I get a phone call from this woman who says, we have an opening for, we need a reading teacher. Would you like to teach reading? And I said, I don't know how to teach. <laughs> I don't know how to teach reading. She said, but you have a master's degree in reading. And I said, I've never taught in a classroom. I've been sitting at a little tykes table for the past few years with three and four year olds. I don't know anything about getting up in front of a classroom. And she said, oh, you'll be fine. We'll, we'll help you. You'll have the summer to prepare. It'll be okay. So I thought, well, all right. I mean, will it will it turn into anything? Because it was an adjunct position. And she said, it could. It could eventually turn into a full-time position, but we can't guarantee that. So I thought, okay. So I took, I took the job as the adjunct. And then because of my bachelor's in English, they let me teach the writing class. So these were all like first year courses. And the reading and the writing classes were like these remedial courses. So the students had to get through me before they could take their, their college level courses. I did that. I eventually got the full-time position and then I got tenure Wow! and I was like, this is amazing. I don't think this is what I want to do. <laughs> so. <laughs> so, so this gets us to probably right before I meet you for the first time, because yes. mm-hmm. you both, both Adam and you decide that real estate is going to be the way you're going to go. And you're going to go in together as a team. You're both going to get your license and you're going to create 
but really what's been a very successful team for you've been three years. Are we at three and a half years? We got our licenses uh, in fall of 2018. And we always say that we started in December. Like we, the, when we first closed our first sale, which was December 28th, I thought it's a lot much longer than that for some reason. No, wow. so it feels like, <laughs> <laughs> so let's, so I, I, I love talking about um, what you've accomplished. I think, first of all, I think you knew how you were going to do this, right? Because Adam, Adam, Adam handles all the he's the like boring stuff. Well, no, yeah, negotiations and numbers. How's that? Uh, yeah. That's, but you're you're marketing, and I like a word you use: wordsmithing. That's your yes. job, yeah, to kind of create the marketing side of things. I love the way this has come together. Talk about was that like just a no brainer from the beginning? Yeah, because at one point in t- so eventually Adam goes back into mortgages, mm, okay. and now he's working and he's the in house lender for Coldwell Banker, actually for the office where we are now and out of a few other offices. So so he becomes the lender and I keep thinking, you know, I, I, I want to change. I need a change. And we had actually gone to real estate school back in New York in 2005. But then when we decided to move here, we kind of abandoned that. And then, like I said, that was right before the crash. So it, that wasn't a great time to get into real estate. So now I'm at school and I'm thinking, I just, I don't think I want to do this anymore. Education's changing. I just... I don't really think that this is for me. So, you know, we get our licenses. And when we first start, you know, when you get your license, they don't teach you in that first class how to start a business or how to actually do anything that you really need to do. But meanwhile, Adam, he knows sales. He, you know, he's done sales before. He knows the contracts, especially on the buyer side. Mm -hmm. And it just kind of made sense that he would be the one that would do that stuff. And it kind of made sense with me with, with my writing and my love of writing to, to, to start doing the marketing. And then I found you and you were the one that was like, you need to be doing, you know, social media and follow this person and follow that person, which I'd kind of been starting to do myself anyway. Mm -hmm. I just didn't really know what I was doing in the beginning. But yeah, once I met you, you, you've created this monster. (laughs) You, first of all, you're like the the best result that's ever happened from my stuff in ten years. Oh. So that's why I had to have you on the show. I mean, you you your note taking was incredible. You took pages oh. and pages of notes at our sessions, mm-hmm. and it's really been fun to watch you really grow into somebody that I like. I did it again today, and you've had other people do it. Where I say, oh, follow Amy Carroll, a team. Yeah, go follow her stuff on her stories and watch what she does. I think you know, for you, you you mentioned it. There were certain people that you followed, certain people that kind of helped you grow. Mm-hmm. Let's, let's give them a little shout out. Who are those people? Who do you still connect with today? Katie Lance. Okay. Sue Pakey Benson. Yeah. She she's been amazing. She I mean, the fact that Sue Pakey Benson even knows who I am just still amazes me, and she's she's great. Uh, Sean Carpenter, love Sean Carpenter. I just I love everything about his message and his philosophy. And when I connected with him, both Adam and I were like, "This this is who we are. This is this is who we want to be. This is this is what we want to put out." You know, building the relationships. Yep. It's not about sales, 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 and and selling yourself. It's about building those relationships. So Sean Carpenter, Chelsea Pites, I love Chelsea Pites. And then another one that you told me about and you connected me with was um, Eric Larkin, the Cocoa Beach Insider. Yeah. So we've become Instagram buddies. We go back and forth. And he's another one that I'll reach out to. Just yesterday, I was on YouTube looking at his videos. 
And I thought to myself, I really love what he's doing with his, with his YouTube channel. And he's got all these followers, he's got all these views and his videos look great. So I send him a message, you know, what are you using to do your videos? And the amount of, and he sends me back all these things, you know, showing screenshots, showing me what he does. And I just, I said, it's very fancy. <laughs> it's very <laughs> above anything that I think, I mean, the amount of time that he's putting into it, but it's work, you know, it's working for him. And, and I said, you know, thank you so much. You've always taken the time to, to answer my questions. And you, you know, he's, he always says, you just got to do it for someone else. You just have to pay it forward. So ah, it's been, a, it's been amazing. Yeah. The, the community of people that I've, that I've found. That's so. awesome. Mm-hmm. You, you, because this is so fresh for you, tell me how tough is it? How tough was it starting pretty much from scratch? Were there some, did, were there doubts? Was there moments that you had to really fight through, you know? Feeling? Oh yeah. I mean, it was, it was really hard. I think for two reasons. One is I, I had a tenured faculty position, <laughs> you know, at a school, I had right. a guaranteed paycheck. I had health benefits. I had Fridays off. If I had to, if I had to work on a Friday, it would be to go for a two hour meeting. If, if I worked in the summer, it was an eight week summer session. And then I, you know, so I'd have weeks off in the summer. I had five weeks off at Christmas. I mean, so much time off. And it's funny because those were always the times where I would say, I'm so bored because Adam's working. And I would think to myself, I have all this time off. I could be doing something right now. You know, I, I get this paycheck, but this is all I'll ever make. Like I could, I could. I could be working. I'm willing to work hard and I could make so much more and I'm so bored and I have all this time. And then when I got into real estate, I was like, we never have a day off. We, there's no break. If you go from the morning to night, there's never any time off. What did I do? What have I done? (laughs) There was that. And then, and then the fact that we're a husband and wife team, it's hard always being the A team. I, I just said this the other day, you know, in 2020, I said, 2020, this is going to be the year that we're going to figure out how to really make it so that there's a balance between the A-team and Adam and Amy. And the universe was like, here you go. Here's two months to figure it out. <laughs> so. yeah. you, you mentioned you talked to Eric about uh, you know what he's doing over there. Is, is there another, because you've really, I think you've done this great, great work with Instagram. It's super fun to watch. And really everybody out there, Thank I'll you. make sure that in the show notes, you'll be able to follow what she's doing. It's it's super cool. What's next? What's the one you want? If you had to pick one, another channel, another avenue, what is it? I don't know. I mean, it's going back to what you said before about is it is it hard? It is really hard in the beginning because, like I said earlier, you don't you're not taught how to start your business. You're not taught how to actually do real estate. So you feel like I have to learn everything, and that's. In one respect, that's what's so easy about us being the A-team is that Adam's doing some things and I'm doing, you know, other things. So I have time to focus. And so in the beginning, I think I felt like, well, I have to do Facebook and I have to do Instagram and I have to have a YouTube and I have to do LinkedIn. Like I have to have all of them. And then I kind of learned what I liked to do the best, which is Instagram. That's where I have the most fun. And not that I don't pay attention to the other things. I still post things there. But right now I'm really having fun with Instagram and I really like stories I'd like to get back to YouTube. I read Karen Carr's book and I'm always, like I said, I'm inspired by what Eric's done with Coco beach. So I think for now I'll probably stick with Instagram, but I think that I, de- I definitely do have this goal to to make the YouTube channel something more than it is. But you know, I would, in the beginning I was very much into doing the videos and I kind of just got not sick of doing, them, but they take a lot of time. 
And it starts to feel like sometimes it can start to feel like, well, am I in the business of making videos and, you know, posting to IG stories or am I in the real estate business? Like when I spoke to Eric yesterday and, and he, you know, the video specifically that I commented on and he told me how much time he spent on it. That's, it's a lot of time. So I figure right now I'll just kind of stick with Instagram. Okay. <laughs> right uh, one of the, uh, one of the things people will see if they went after they follow you is going to be uh, your, you have this passionate love of animals and most especially dogs. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you've created, I, I love the community you're doing, the community work you're doing there, what you're creating. This is, there are many agents who don't get this till way too late, but it's something you're super passionate about, yet it can also help your business. And that's Bindi's buddies. Mm-hmm. So Bindi was your corgi, right? Yes, she yeah. was our corgi. Yeah. And, and so let's talk about what you've created there. So uh, Bindi was our dog and she was, I don't know if you know anything about corgis, but they're just like these little balls of stubborn personality. They just have great personalities. They're amazing. And uh, we had her for nine years and towards the end of her life, she had it rough. She actually, she was diagnosed with facial paralysis, which was fine. And the doctor told us bothered us more than it bothered her, but she just um, like the sides of her mouth would droop and her tongue was stuck folded back. So she had difficulty eating and drinking. So that was kind of rough. But then she was diagnosed with a heart condition and it literally happened in front of us. She was eating dinner and and then she collapsed and, and stood up and looked at us like, you know, what just happened? But mm. then she did it again. So we took her to the vet and they diagnosed her with this heart condition. And it was just heartbreaking because we knew that we wouldn't have that much time left with her. And I think it was maybe twice that we had to take her to the emergency vet while she was sick. And both times that we were there, there was one time we were there and there was a a girl crying because she didn't have the money to to pay for her dog and whatever it was that her dog needed. And then another time we were there and and the pet needed all this care, but the the owner had to work. And here were Adam and I saying, you know, I have this, this, teaching job where I have these set hours. I'm, you know, I'm off on Fridays. Adam has a flexible position. We have all the time to take care of her. We would do anything to save her, but she can't be saved. And that's very depressing and makes you pretty mad. So we always used to say, well, when the time comes that we lose her, we know it's going to be sad. We'll we'll do something in her honor to, you know, to make this a happy thing. So when we, when we lost her, we put together this pet food drive and we called it the Bindi's Buddies Pet Food Drive. And we did one on the campus of SPC where I worked and we did one in our neighborhood. And I think the campus food drive, we got over 500 pounds of food. It was like one of the most successful because everybody loves animals. So it was right. like one of the most successful drives that they did. And we just, we went around and we put signs in the neighborhood and we put something on next door and we got a, hundreds of pounds of food there. And we donated it to the senior pet connection at the Humane Society of Pinellas. And uh, that's like Meals on Wheels. So it's for homebound and low-income senior citizens, and it delivers pet foods to them, wow. pet food to them. Yeah, so if they can't leave the house or if they don't have the means. So what happened was we did it this one time, and then I started getting these messages on next door. Hey, I, I bought all this pet food, but I forgot to bring it down to your event. Is there any way that you'll, that you'll still take it? So I said, yeah, just you know, leave it outside, and we'll drive over, and we'll get it. So then it turns out that we have maybe like another hundred something pounds of food sitting in our house. So I said to Adam, 
you know, this is like three or four weeks later that people are still offering to give me food from that one time that we put the sign up. I'm just going to keep asking for it <laughs> and see what happens. So I put this thing on next door and I said, hey, you know, we did so well with the pet food drive. And some of you said that you still have food. How about we drive around on the first Monday of the month? You leave your donation outside and, and we'll pick it up. And the neighbors in our community, they've been outstanding and they, they do it. They know on the first Monday of every month, I have you know a list of regular neighbors who will donate and they leave their food outside and they've just been amazing before the pandemic or, you know, before the quarantine, the humane society reached out to me and said, I'm really, we're really worried. You know, we think that we're not going to have enough donations. The, the people in the program, they, they're older, they have health concerns, they can't get out and get food. They're really worried. So I, I put the something on next door. My, our neighbors donated over a thousand pounds of food that month. So, wow. and then friends and family are always, you know, here it's for Bindi's buddy. So let's see, we lost Bindi in March of 2017 and we did our first collection in April of 2017 and we've donated over 13,000 pounds of pet food That's awesome. in honor of yeah. that little Corgi. <laughs> that's cool. I, I think that's just amazing. I love, I love that story. And I think that that, um, you know, it comes from, it comes from your heart, but I, yeah. I, I need to ask the, the real estate related question. Has that opened some doors for you as the A team in your neighborhood? You know, it's funny. I've, Never mixed the two of them. You won't, so or have, it just doesn't happen. I have on on our Instagram account. I do have a little story highlight with Bindi's yeah. buddies, mm-hmm. and I will I will ask through there for people to donate. But sure. I've never gone to any of my Bindi's buddies people and said, "Will you donate?" Okay. I just I don't know. I feel like, and I've said to Adam too. I've said, you know, there are a lot of people in this neighborhood. They know us. They they see us on next door, and they're like, "Oh, that's the Bindi's buddies people," but they don't know that we do real estate. That you know could be a good thing, but I don't know. I feel like I want to keep it pure. Okay. <laughs> I, I look. I completely respect that. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. I also think that part of building relationships and solving problems and the things that you're doing, <laughs> as Sean would say, uh-huh. um, it's okay. It's okay for those two to mix in some really you know, organic, authentic way. No, not in a, uh, not in a salesy way. Right. I, f- I mean, I feel like if it happens there, there are people now who are starting like, because they've started to follow me on my regular Facebook. Right. And so, Oh, Hey, I didn't know that you do real estate. And then when it comes up like that, perfect. then I don't, then I don't mind, but I don't want to do something like send out a bin- a Bindi's buddies. Thank you card with, you know, our business card yeah, or I anything like that. Agree. So completely agree. Kind of lose yeah. that, uh, that feeling. Wow. Yeah. Well, look, Amy, it's it's uh, well after the half hour I've asked of your time. So you know what's coming next. I think you listen to the podcast. <laughs> so you've had plenty of time to think about this, but what one mm-hmm. piece of advice would you give a new agent just getting started? And I knew you were going to ask me, so can I can I give two pieces? Sure, of you you know I always say yes to that. So maybe one on behalf of me and one on behalf of that. There you go. Go ahead. Um I would say first and foremost is find mentors. And more than one, if you can, and people who have different strengths. So we're lucky enough in our office, there's a group of agents, they, in person before the pandemic, they would get together every Thursday morning, but it's a group of seasoned agents and every Thursday they get together and they were kind enough to invite us and a couple of other new agents in and every Thursday we get together and talk things over and, you know, people that have been in selling in St. Pete for years and years and 
And then all the people that I mentioned before, you know, with social media. So it's really important to find people who are willing to help you out. And there are a lot of people who are willing to help you out, which is nice because I know in the beginning I thought, well, why would they, why would they want to help me? They're trying to sell real estate too, you know, but, but they are willing to help. So find mentors. And then the other thing is it's very easy in the beginning because you don't really know what you're doing <laughs> and you're not that busy because you don't have a lot of customers in the beginning to get very busy doing, doing stuff like learning and watching lots of webinars and taking classes and taking notes and then you take the time to organize the notes. And then, Oh, that made me think that I want to watch this. And you get so busy learning, but you're never doing anything that's going to lead to getting business. And I feel like I've seen that with some agents now during the pandemic there's a lot, you know, there, there's a lot of agents who are doing a lot of learning, but what's going to happen, you know, now things have started to open up again. And so what were you doing to generate business during that time? So I think it's important that new agents, you know, figure out, you know, here's three things that I think I would enjoy doing and that I would be good at doing that could generate leads and just make it a point to every day do those things because it's important to learn, but then you're just kind of sitting at home in front of your laptop and you know, listening to all these other people tell you what to do, but got to get out there and do it. So and give social media a try. <laughs> it works. <laughs> Amy, if somebody wants to reach out to you, what's the best way for them to do that? Instagram, a team underscore cells underscore FL. And, or you can look me up by Amy Carroll, but the last name is K-A-R-O-L. So it's Amy Carroll with a K. I'm on Facebook. And I think my account is set to public. So you can find me on Facebook. I'm also on LinkedIn. And also you can email me. It's amy.carol with a K at Florida Moves. <laughs> Amy, thank you so much. And I know Adam. Adam's not there right now. Make sure you say hi to Adam for me. And uh, I'm so glad you guys uh, ended up in Florida. I'm really happy that you ended up at Lorna's office uh, on that day. Yeah. It's been so much fun getting <laughs> to know you two. And and watching your success and running into you on beach drive on random yeah. Saturdays when <laughs> back when the town was more open. So thank you yeah. so much for, for sharing some time with us today and sharing your story. Thank you. And we're so, so grateful that we, that we met you. So thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the real estate sessions podcast to leave a review or rating, go to rate this slash R E sessions. You can also subscribe to the podcast at your favorite podcast listening app. Finally, you can go to the real and subscribe to our email newsletter and be notified whenever a new episode is released. Mm-hmm.